So the motivation behind time travel was to bring the experience that I'm used to from other time-based media into the world of programming because programming is inextricably time-based no matter how much functional programming, Haskell-y, Idris-y, you know, uh, magic you sprinkle on your on your notion of programming, your CPU is still going to execute it with a notion of time. And so I'm I'm not going to shy away from the fact that Hest wholeheartedly embraces the idea of things happening in time. And and I might talk a lot of trash about functional programming, but it's it's not like the people who are uh, are pursuing that model aren't uh, very very uh, knowledgeable um, and have thought very deeply about this and have very good reasons for doing that. So I'm I'm fully aware of many of the downsides and negative consequences that come from uh, embracing an explicit notion of time and and you know the the fact that uh that real-time programming languages real-time operating systems are a thing that existed in the past and are not taking the world by storm like there's definitely reasons why this sort of explicit notion of time in programming is not something that we're doing you know in all of our programming right now you know, it's something that that my artists on my team who have to do a little bit of programming for their work since they're making games and simulations and that sort of thing. It's something that they run into. They have multiple notions of time in their code. They have uh, a big function that executes once per frame and all of their logic for updating their simulation state goes in that function. That makes it very difficult for them to... To reason about things like, what if I want to fire off a process that's going to take a second in the time space of the viewer, but I don't want to have to manage the state for that? Uh, like, like for example, let's say I've got this graphic and I want to make the graphic fade out over one second. One way to do that is in your function that runs every frame. You, you manage that state yourself and you say, hey... I want to uh, make this thing fade out. Uh, let's say the, the frame rate is 10 frames per second. So I want it to fade out 10% every frame until it's zero and then stop fading out. That's one way of doing it. But then if you want to do easing, if you want to do other things, that can that can get very finicky if you're managing it every frame. So it's it's nice to be able to switch from that immediate mode style of programming to a more retained mode where you say, I want to run an animation and I want to say start on that animation and I don't want to manage its state and I want it to run to completion and when it's done, I want it to clean itself up. But if you're going to do that from code that runs every frame, you're asking for a foot gun because if you're saying start animation duration one second and you put that in an every frame loop and you're not careful, you start a new animation every frame. And depending on the environment you're in, that can cause, you know, an explosion of memory that can cause errors in behavior that can cause all sorts of things. And you might think that, oh, that's, you know, who would do that? I see that all the time. I see that on websites. I see that on video games from major studios that 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 notion of multiple senses of time existing in code is something that people run into frequently and it causes all sorts of pain. And so that's something that hopefully has to, having an explicit notion of time, it won't solve that because there's still going to be multiple notions of time, but at least it's sort of it's hanging a lantern on it. It's not trying to obscure that. It's not trying to make it magic. It's not trying to hide it from the programmer. It's something where it's going to force me to give people tools for working with that. So that's something that the functional programming community might not feel so good about, but uh, I'm going to try to um, take a very different approach to and hopefully 
hopefully enjoy more benefits than I than I suffer consequences from this from this different approach. Since we're in this world of execution happening through time and the programmer being given explicit control over the progression or regression of time and uh, and that making the programming experience feel very different than it normally does in traditional environments where you have run to completion and you have, you know, execute as fast as possible. This is this is very different from that. There are some other fun things that you can do in this space. When it comes to designing things like this, one of my biggest inspirations is a figure that I I personally am not very fond of because he is just disgustingly repulsively negative in his public persona and I I enjoy this person's work very much, but I can't talk about him without caveating the fact that just his rampant negativity is very difficult for me to um, uh, to want to um, to engage with, and so I, I don't like to um, uh, point people to him without caveating. Hey, this person is just is just mean spirited in a lot of ways, and and you know there's good reasons why he's why he's grumpy about a lot of programming, but I don't think that that excuses the the meanness that pervades a lot of his public persona. Uh, and that person is Jonathan Blow, uh, the creator of the video game Braid and uh, the game The Witness, um, two absolutely beautiful works of art. And he gave some very very good talks about design in in games where. Um, one of the failings that a lot of games have is that they'll come up with some sort of new, interesting, uh, what they call a mechanic. And I'm going to abuse this terminology. If you're familiar with game design, I'm sorry. Um, but a, a mechanic in the in the very colloquial way that I'm going to use it is just something you can do in the game. It's a, it's a small kind of action that the player can take or something that they interact with in a very fine-grained way. So uh, mechanics are like in Mario, it's the ability to run left and right and to jump and jump Jumping lets you jump onto an enemy, and if you land on their head, it squishes them. Jumping is a mechanic. Running left and right is a mechanic. Enemies that you can jump on, that's another mechanic. Those are all like very small micro-interactions with the game simulation. And the, the thing that emerges from that are dynamics, which are, hey... It's fun to get to jump on a Goomba and you can kind of chain those jumps together and jump on multiple Goombas and hey, that's even more fun. So let's lean into that by designing levels where sometimes you have to jump on three Goombas in a row and if you don't, you die. Or you have to jump on a Goomba and use the momentum from jumping on that Goomba to get you across a big gap or something like that. So those are dynamics. Those are the interactions of the mechanics. And and, and once again, I am I'm totally not using these terms in the in the most appropriate academic way you know this is a colloquial game design talk here so jonathan blow gave some very very good talks about the failing that a lot of games have is that they come up with an innovative mechanic and then they just kind of use it as a way to create a small bit of interest in an otherwise uninteresting stretch of the game and they just kind of you know introduce it and let you use it and then it goes away or maybe they create this mechanic, but they don't really think about how does this mechanic interact with the other mechanics in the game. They don't really think very deeply about that. Or they don't do the thing where they have the mechanic and they really think about what are the things that this mechanic lets you do as a player. Or what does this 
in a, in a more profound way, what does it mean or what does it represent? How does this mechanic relate to the narrative that we're trying to tell? Or how does this mechanic relate to the culture around gaming? They don't do any of that thinking about what's the context of this design decision. They just look at the form. They don't look at the forces that affect that form. And they don't look at the context around the form that the form is exerting force onto. And so Jonathan Blow's whole thing is to come up with mechanics in a game and then to spend a very, very long time thinking about those mechanics and exploring them through prototypes and and really trying to figure out how to make the best game possible by making the most out of a mechanic and by, as he says it, fully exploring the design space. And so that's something that I'm also trying to do with Hest. And I think that anybody doing design work would benefit from taking that kind of an approach. The approach being whenever you're going to make a design decision, try to fully explore that design decision. Try to fully explore its consequences. Try to fully explore its interactions. And you will often find that there's redundancy or that there's overlap where you might be able to take two things and simplify them into one thing. Or you might be able to take two things and by removing one of them the the whole is richer or you might find in the arrangement of these things a gap a very conspicuous gap where hey we could put something in that gap fill that space and that would be very interesting and so one of the things that happened very very quickly with hest when i started prototyping the time travel was this idea that if you have the points being conveyed along edges if you have this this model of programming where where there's an explicit notion of time and an explicit notion of space and those are requirements those are inescapable there's no way to to crack open a point and say okay this point that paints kids red this 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 point that's acting like a function where data is going to flow through it and it's going to transform that data there's no way to crack it open and and write some javascript code or write some c or whatever cuz that would be defying the idea that Everything is happening in space and everything's happening in time in a way that you as the programmer and Hest are in total control over. One of the things that emerged from that was that when you have a kid sliding down the water slide, a point moving along an edge as it's being conveyed towards its destination, and you can stop time, there's nothing special about that point being on that edge other than the fact that just by convention, that's how the programming model works. But you're in a graphical environment. So you should be able to, with your graphical tool, grab that kid off of that water slide while time is frozen and just stick them off to the side and say, you know what, kid, you're going to stand here for a minute while I roll time forward and backward. And since that kid is no longer on the water slide, since that point is no longer being conveyed through the program, through the the system, nothing's going to happen to it. The way to think about that in terms of text programming would be imagine if you are inside your step debugger and you've hit a breakpoint and your execution is paused. If you could take your code and remove a function call, say, like, you know, you're running your program and you maybe comment out a function call, or maybe you, you, um, have a message queue or something like that and you just pull one of the messages out of the queue or you have a you know an event bus or something like that and you just say you know this event that just fired and is in the middle of propagating to all of the handlers um we're just gonna pull that off to the side a bit so some of those handlers were invoked and some of those handlers have not yet been invoked and uh 
it's kind of hard to explain this in terms of text program because there's not really a great analogy because of that difference between the run to completion model versus the explicit time-based model and other differences. But why would you do this? Why would you grab a kid off of a water slide and stick them on the side and say, Hey, just, you know, just maybe, maybe don't go for a sec. You are working on your program by making changes as you roll time forward and backward. You are looking at your code in a certain moment in time. It's been executing. It's loaded with data. Then you pause execution and you want to make some changes to that code. But maybe you don't want the state that your program was in when you paused it to be lost. And maybe making the changes to the code that you want to make would require destroying some of that data if you have an edge that's loaded with points and those points are moving along that edge and you want to delete that edge and route it somewhere else uh, or make some new edges or or something like that you need a way to not lose that data if that data matters to you and if you want to be able to put that data back and resume execution with that data as it as it um as it was as it was built up on your way to that moment where you froze time and this gets into some of the more bizarre consequences of having explicit notions of time, which is that there are different sort of different tiers on which time are passing. So there's time in the execution. There's also time in the editing space, which is undo and redo to your edits, to your program or to your graphic. And then there's also, you know, time as you experience it as a person editing that program. And there are, there's a couple of other notions of time, like maybe the simulation that you're building, you know, or you're building a game or something like that. There's a sense of time to the user, right? Like if your codes execution, if those little kids sliding down the waterfalls that are driving the execution or sliding down the water slides, um, if they are uh, meant to, when when your program is running, when you are when you have handed it to an end user and they are running your game, if the code that you've built is meant to run much faster, like run you know at at what I call full speed, or basically run as fast as possible to produce the game that you've built, that then that 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 person playing the game has another notion of time yet so there's at least like four different levels of time that you need to be cognizant of and that's a challenge that's hard that's confusing that's something that requires careful tooling and careful communication and design in order to um to make tractable and there's some some progress that i've made in that direction uh that you know i'll get into in the future so yeah you can pull data out of your program as it's running and this this is something where when I demo this to people, when I show them Hest, when I do some some work in Hest and I show this to people, this is something that is usually a what the fuck kind of moment because it's so, so different from what programming is normally like when you're normally working with it. That when you're normally programming with your you know run to completion language, you are so distant from the execution of the program that the thought of I might want to go into the running program, stop execution and what like remove a variable remove, you know, like I'm, I'm, I've got this chain of stuff happening and I would want to like, what, like I'm going to, you know, uppercase this string and then I want to pull that string out of the program and then not use that string with whatever that string was destined for. Like, why would I do that? And yet when you're in this graphical environment, it is the most natural thing in the world to do that. It is the most natural thing to want to say, let me 
manipulate this running program. Let me edit the program by pulling data out of the program, setting it aside, making some changes, putting the data back on. Let me pull that data out, clone the data, put one of the clones back on, see what happens to it. It didn't go the way I wanted. Delete that data, grab the original that I cloned, make another clone, maybe modify that data, right? Maybe it's a, a string that I'm not quite happy with. So I change that data and resume running the program. That's something you can do in your step debugger. You can, you know, stop at a point, you have a value. It's not the value you want. You change the value. You resume running the program with that new value. So, so there's some parts of it that are familiar and there's some parts of it that are you know you're used to doing that it makes a lot of sense but there's other parts of it that are just like emerging from this process of fully exploring the design space and and trying to try out all the different mechanics that this allows that are leading to new kinds of interaction for me where i i don't even know how to begin to analogize them to to traditional text-based run to completion programming it's just it's so different for me and so the the little buzzword that I've come up with to describe this is participatory execution. It's, you know, your code is executing, your program is executing, and you as the programmer aren't telling the code to run and then watching the result and occasionally jumping in and going, whoa, whoa, whoa breakpoint. Okay, what's going on here? You're in Hest, your code only executes when you drive it to execute by moving time forward at the rate of your choosing and at any moment you stop your code from running forward or or reduce its speed and go in there and make changes to the state of the program to the arrangement of the code whenever you want and and there's this uh another uh, mental image that i that i love when thinking about this is it's sort of like you know, cartoons do this. Uh, Wallace and Gromit did this really well. You have a train that's running down the tracks and somebody laying down the tracks in front of the train. So there's, you know, in, um, in the Wallace and Gromit um, uh, movie, The Wrong Trousers, there's this great scene where they have a model train and there's this sort of chase sequence taking place on the model train. And, and Gromit, the dog, has this box full of train track pieces and he's riding on the train. And as the train is motoring ahead, he's laying down the tracks in front of the train so that you know he can control where the train is going. And to me, that image of you know somebody standing on the on the on the uh, locomotive and laying down the tracks in front of the the speeding train that is the experience of programming in hest you are much like a REPL. you are building up the program interactively and you are doing so uh, not just in an interactive way where you run a bit of code and you see the result and you change the code and you run it and you see the result and you change it this is something where you are literally advancing execution just a little tiny bit and then looking how things have unfolded and then maybe you're rolling execution back a little bit you're deleting some of the code you're putting in some new code and you roll execution forward a little bit and you see oh i like that what that did to the data let me pull that data off but i don't quite like how i got to this shape of data so i'm going to keep that data that i just pulled off as a reference and then i'm going to change a little bit of the code so that maybe there's a different way that i arrive with the data in this shape and i can test that again by roll time back roll time forward make some change to the the code roll time back and forward and you have that original piece of data you pulled off there and when it's you know when it's right when it matches you can just throw that data away and it's this this um, very very participatory experience for programming and where you are intimately intimately connected with the execution on a very very fine scale but also a medium scale but also a coarse scale and you get to sort of move up and down the 
the scale of intimacy with your code as you are building it and as it is running. 